Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, June 14th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you here today, and uh, a nicer day, I hope, today will be. Got all sorts of upset yesterday in hour two, and I, I pledge today to have a happy and forthright and wonderful show for you today, and we're going to talk about marijuana, because... I think we all need a break. <laughs> I think we all need a break from the events of the past couple of days and to get back into fighting the drug war. Not to say we're forgetting or looking past, but we are just, I think we need a break. So today we've got all sorts of interesting things to talk about on the show and a very interesting guest who is joining us. Uh, we're going to have a cannabis community chat with a fellow by the name of Bruce Dietzen. And he's going to tell us all about the Hempsters Cannabis Car Tour. And he sent me some information about this. I'm going to let him tell you more about it uh, in the middle of the show here. But uh, it harkens back to Henry Ford and his creation of the hemp car. You know, and this was back, you know, when the hemp was the billion dollar crop, according to Popular Mechanics. And right before, you know, uh, the 1937 Tax Act and then eventually Hemp for Victory, yada, yada. We go through the whole thing. But one interesting thing he let me know in our correspondence is that the place at which Henry Ford was making the hemp car was a town called Belleville. Now, it's Belleville with the four L's rather than three like mine. But still, hey, we're all related. I'll take it any way I can get. So we'll talk to, to Bruce about that and the future of hemp in the automobile industry and what's going on with this tour. All that's coming up here in the middle of the show in our cannabis community chat. So stay tuned for that. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant. And my rant today is a look at the ongoing phenomenon of stoners against legalization. And we've got them in Arizona. We got them in California. We got them all over the place. And I'm going to outline in broad strokes, the five biggest myths that you'll hear from the stoners against legalization. And you have to tailor them to each state, depending on which, the, which legalization plan you're talking on. But they, they follow five broad trends, and I'll give you a look at that coming up in the Radical Rant. Also on the show today, we'll have time for some drug war data mining, and we've got some sales figures for the day of 420. And we'll just see how much weed got sold on 420 in Colorado and in Washington State. Don't have some. Don't have, don't think I got the figures for Oregon yet, but uh, we'll see what we got. Also, we've got some behind the headlines to get to, and uh, we're going to take a look at the natural state, the state of Arkansas, and a situation there that uh, has three different groups uh, petitioning to get marijuana reform on the ballot, and I'll give you my opinions on that. And I think tomorrow we'll take a look at Montana. There's three different initiatives in Montana as well, and, and these are kind of flying under the radar. So we'll, we'll tackle Arkansas today. We'll take care of Montana tomorrow. 
Of course, all of that comes after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, we've got uh, a lawsuit in Hawaii, kind of complex here, where an activist is trying to use RICO laws to bring down state dispensaries for a good reason. And it takes some explaining, so we'll get to that. In uh, Pennsylvania, a a uh, proposal to raise the fines for marijuana possession. Uh, we got to tell you about that. Uh, there's a report out on medical marijuana in New York State that we'll get to. A tiny Colorado town that's rejecting the green rush. And something you may have missed, or maybe not, in the NBA Finals game last night. Give me some hope. All that coming up on the Russ Belville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis business industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, June 14th, 2016. Hilo, Hawaii. 
A Hawaiian marijuana activist is suing the state over its proposed medical marijuana licensing scheme, claiming it breaks federal drug laws and is a scheme to fleece patients. Mike Ruggles, who is facing criminal charges regarding his operation of a now-defunct medical marijuana collective, alleges that the state is in violation of racketeering laws. Ruggles also alleges the dispensary licensing program will deprive patients of medicine since it phases out the existence of caregivers and the right to home grow over the next two years. Hawaii would add just eight dispensaries under the proposal owned by just four companies. Ruggles argues that he should not be facing the possibility of life in prison for his three Class A marijuana felony charges when the state will be licensing four companies to profit from doing exactly what he did in violation of federal law. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Activists gathered at the State House steps to criticize a proposal to increase fines for marijuana possession. The Pennsylvania House Judiciary Committee has scheduled a vote on a bill, House Bill 1422, that downgrades 30 grams of marijuana or less from a misdemeanor to a summary, which ends arrests but still results in a criminal record. The current law says punishment for possession shall not exceed $500. HB 1422 makes $500 the minimum fine, with a $750 fine for a second offense and $1,000 for every other offense in addition to the possibility of up to 30 days in jail. Currently, jail time is rare for possession, as is the maximum $500 fine. Pennsylvania's two major urban areas have decriminalization. Pennsylvania has a code violation of $25, and Pittsburgh has a $100 ticket. Pennsylvania recently passed a limited medical marijuana law, but it will not be up and running until 2018. Albany, New York. Too few patients are able to access medical marijuana in New York, according to a report from the Drug Policy Alliance. Since the rollout of the program in January, more than half the patients DPA surveyed had been unable to find a doctor to certify them, and 60% of them have been waiting over three months. Doctors in New York must undergo a state training course and register with the state to recommend medical marijuana for patients suffering from any of 10 serious medical conditions. Patients reported their doctors were reticent to recommend medical marijuana for legal concerns, while some doctors just didn't believe marijuana was medical. New York's program does not allow patients to grow their own medicine or even have any marijuana plant material. The cannabis oils they are allowed are expensive, leading over three-quarters of those surveyed unable to afford it. Mead, Colorado. The tiny Colorado town of Mead has decided to table a proposal to repeal its ban on marijuana businesses. Timescall.com reports that about 100 people gathered for a city council meeting where the repeal was tabled, effectively ending any chance of bringing the Colorado Green Rush to Mead anytime soon. Some locals in attendance cited the family atmosphere of Mead and how marijuana would bring nothing but problems. But others looked to the example of Garden City, another nearby small town, where marijuana sales have helped to quadruple the town's budget since 2008. Mayor Pro Tem Herman Schrantz pleaded in vain that, quote, we need to jumpstart Mead's economy, end quote. But city trustees like Terry Hatch were not swayed, saying, quote, it's a moral issue for me, end quote. Oakland, California. The NBA Finals featured a bit of garbage time in Game 5 as the Cleveland Cavaliers cruised to a road victory, but buried within may have been a first for the marijuana industry, an ad during a major sports championship telecast. 
Leafly reports that a commercial for black magic potting soil appeared in the fourth quarter and visuals of people growing plants indoors, in closets, and under very stealthy conditions. The plants weren't cannabis, of course, but the framing and visuals of the ad clearly were appealing to indoor cultivators looking to increase their yields. Further confirming the true nature of the ad is that it only ran on the West Coast and Rocky Mountain time zone feeds, regions of the country where recreational marijuana growing is legal. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, June 14th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the third annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. The most influential business event in the marijuana industry returns for three days in Oakland, California. Join your fellow industry leaders and policy influencers June 20th through 22nd for an in-depth educational experience and network with more than 3,000 cannabis professionals. The 2016 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will feature keynote presentations from California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and Numi Organic Tea CEO Ahmed Rahim giving you insight into cutting-edge policy discussions and the most innovative business practices. All this plus the most comprehensive expo floor in the industry. The Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 20th through 22nd in Oakland. Don't miss out. Register right now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and save 15% off registration using promo code RADIO15. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com, promo code RADIO15. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. 
The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're going to take a look at the state of Arkansas, where there's not one, not two, but three proposals for marijuana reform going through the initiative process. And uh, this is kind of a natural effect, I think, that we're going to get in the next few years since there's been success in marijuana legalization and there's more and more interest in it. Uh, especially on the financial side, you know, going back to the 70s, 80s, even the the early proposals of the 90s or 2000s, there was only just one group usually trying to get something together, one group that could have any money or any influence doing this, and everybody focused on that one group. But now people have so many different interests in this, so many different agendas that we get different competing initiatives. And on the whole here, well, let's let's go through the initiatives first. There's one initiative that is from Arkansans for Compassionate Care, and it is a medical marijuana statute. So it needs about 68,000 signatures. Uh, more than that, obviously, need probably, you know, about 100,000 if you count all the invalid ones you'll get and so forth. But they need a lot of signatures, about 68,000 to uh, make the ballot for an uh, initiative statute. And then there's a competing group. Uh, led by a, a lawyer from Little Rock, Arkansas, that wants to have a constitutional amendment uh, for marijuana, medical marijuana. So that needs more signatures, uh, eighty about 85,000. So there you're going to need about 125,000 to make the ballot, right? So they're competing against each other for signatures for medical marijuana. And the problem with the two competing initiative situation is, one, you might have members of the public that forgot which initiative they've signed. And if you sign the same initiative twice and that's that's found, that invalidates a whole bunch of signatures, right? So you have the problem of spoiling signatures. You also have the problem of splitting uh, the signatures. You'll have people that say, well, you know, I already signed uh, that. And then they just walk off, right? Not knowing that there's two of them and they didn't sign which one of them. So you have that possible situation. And then, unfortunately, you'll have the situation where the diehards might actually sabotage the other side, right? Either inadvertently by not supporting it or not signing for it or telling their people not to sign for it or purposefully by signing it multiple times to try to spoil the other guy's uh, signature gathering. Don't think that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. So you've got that situation going on with medical marijuana. And then there's a lady, uh, Mary Berry is her name, who's got a proposal for legalization of recreational marijuana and medical, but obviously if it's recreational, you can also have it medical. Uh, And so she's got an initiative going out there for full legalization. And that also kind of spoils the waters a bit, uh, muddies the waters a bit by confusing the electorate as to, wait a minute, I I thought we were doing medical. No, this one's the legal and the other one's the medical. And then you have all the same problems of splitting the resources, splitting the votes and spoiled votes and all that. So generally speaking, I don't think it helps us any to have multiple initiatives out there. But what are you going to do? Not support them? If it's me, I'm going to sign every marijuana reform that comes in front of me. Absolutely. And there's nothing you can do to stop another group from trying to put together an initiative petition. The only thing that can be done to prevent this is in the very early stages to get these people together and find where they have common ground to try to all coalesce around one initiative. That's something they tried to do in California. And even that didn't work. So 
I don't know. I, I maybe I'm complaining about something that just is a feature of the system, and there's no way it will ever go away. And it's just my hope that people in Arkansas will just take the opportunity to sign all of them. There was a medical marijuana vote in Arkansas in 2012, I think it was, and uh, they lost that vote. So um, it's one of the few states that's voted on medical marijuana and not passed it. So let's hope for the best for the natural state. Get something legal, medical or legal, happening in Arkansas. That'll be a good anchor to start working on the rest of the United States South. Hey, oh, thanks, Rock. It's 20 after. Here's an interesting bit of Rocky trivia. Sylvester Stallone in the movie Creed is as old as Burgess Meredith was playing the same basic role in the movie Rocky. You're welcome. 20 after. Happy 420 for everyone in the Mountain Time Zone. We're back in just two minutes. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. All right. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at information coming out of the state of Colorado where we find a brand new one-day record 
for marijuana sales has been set. And guess what that day would be? Well, of course, it's 420. The dispensaries in Colorado, according to the reports, sold $7.3 million worth of legal pot on April 20th, shattering the previous record for the best day ever, as well as the best month ever for the month of April. The uh, 420 sales, uh, that $7.3 million, was a 53% increase from the previous 420 in 2015. Went up by more than half of our sales here. The sales for 420 just keep growing and growing and growing. This is reported by uh, CBS Market Watch as well. And the previous record, by the way, wasn't on 420. The previous record for sales for a single day in Colorado was September 16th, 2015. Why September 16th, 2015? 9-16? Why? Well, because that was the day that Colorado had that tax holiday. Uh, the Colorado laws, uh, their, their constitution has this thing called TABOR, the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights. And it states that when you pass a tax in Colorado, you got to tell the people how much the tax is going to be. And then uh, if it raises more than that, you got to give some of that money back. And so in order to, to square the books, uh, they had one, one day, September 16th, where you could buy tax-free marijuana. And so everybody jumped at that, and it was a $6.1 million day on September 16th. Well, that record's now blown out of the water, 4-20-2016, million in sales. And for the month of April... Uh, the entire month of April in Colorado was $117 million in sales. Uh, the previous record had been $101 million uh, back in December, you know, when everybody was uh, making their Christmas purchases, I imagine. So we have a new record for the day, you know, one day, $7.3 million, a new record for the month, $117 million. And we also have some uh, sales figures from the state of Washington. On 420 in Washington State, uh, the pot shop sold $5.5 million. That was double what they had sold on 420 the year before. And uh, the hourly sales worked out to be 140% higher than any other day during the year. Nationally, recreational marijuana shops generated $5.4 billion in 2015. The 2016 sales are expected to be around $6.7 billion, and annual sales could grow to as much as $21.8 billion by the end of this decade, by 2020. And that uh, presumes that we get California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine online as marijuana uh, legal marijuana states. It's undeniable the incredible growth that we've got in the marijuana industry here in the United States and inexplicable how there are still these rural regions of the country. We deal with it here in the state of Oregon with the people east of the Cascades. Uh, we, we just uh, did a story from Mead, Colorado. Even in Mead, Colorado, they've got these people who still say it's a moral issue. And what will marijuana do to our city? We have a, a family-friendly town, a family-friendly atmosphere. And I'm afraid those arguments and those complaints and fears are becoming a little less believable year after year 
when marijuana becomes more and more mainstream, when more and more towns uh, and cities in these states have legal marijuana, so I don't know what they're afraid of anymore. And when they see the other cities and towns in their region that are, you know, that are booming, that are increasing their budgets, you know, that that town increased their budget, quadrupled it <laughs> just since 2008. It's ridiculous to restrict from the people of your area, especially these rural areas that are so economically depressed these days, to to keep from your people this economic engine, this this engine of improvement for your city, for your town, for your county, and, and also to end, of course, the practice of locking people up for marijuana. That, of course, something we want to end, but we've done that in Oregon, in Colorado. Now let's unlock the economic potential. Let's stop arresting the economic potential of our people. Let's give them the jobs that they are so needing and the industry that they're so needing, a job in an industry that can't be outsourced and can only be automated so far. <laughs> we've, we've got to let this run in our country. These sort of sales figures numbers are only going to keep increasing. And it's going to keep increasing because the adults are getting back into the marijuana market. As we've, see, uh, as we've reported on this show many times, the fastest growing demographic of cannabis consumers are people over the age of 50. People who may have smoked it before in their life and are getting back into it. People who may never have smoked it because of fear of losing their job, their kids, their stuff, their freedom, who are now getting into it as adults and recognizing that it can do for them what wine and Tylenol and Xanax and ibuprofen and all these other drugs have not done for them. The fact that these sales figures continue to go up and the fact that adult use rates go up is a good thing. We should be encouraging it. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking with Bruce and the folks from the uh, Hempsters Cannabis Car. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., 
a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. Can I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Cannabis Community Chat here. Joining us on the telephone, we've got a very interesting guest. It's Bruce Dietzen joining us. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I'm excited to talk to you because of this uh, subject, the Hempsters Cannabis Car Tour. And I've got, you know, as much education as a lot of folks who've read uh, some of these cannabis books about how, you know, Henry Ford once built a hemp car. I think that's as much as most of us know about this. Tell us about this cannabis car tour and about cannabis cars in general. Well, yes. Um, thanks, Rock. Um, yeah, we're on tour uh, currently. Just, uh, Got back from uh, Denver. I'm sorry, from uh, Dallas and uh, Atlanta, where we did a couple of very successful events, um, uh, bringing the car out there. And we're going to continue on tour in the next couple of weeks. We're going to uh, be taking the car to uh, the Alice White Plume Hemp Victory Celebration in mm-hmm. Pine Ridge Indian Reservation on June 25th. And in July, um, we're going to visit up with uh, Willie Nelson in his Fourth of July picnic in Austin, Texas, and then we're off to. Uh, while we're in Austin, we're going to be going by this Austin State Capitol to help with the uh, promotions that are in right now for legalization of cannabis in various forms while we're there. and be on the Capitol steps, and uh, and we're going to be hemp up at uh, hemp on the slope in Colorado on June 30th. Wow! But it's one big tour, yeah. and uh, we're 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 basically touring the country, Russ. Um, you know, uh, investigating all these stories about cannabis uh, saving lives and and saving the planet to find out if they're true. And we're doing it in a car made out of cannabis. That's great. And so this cannabis car, uh, following some of the, you know, like we, like I said, we read about Henry Ford making a cannabis car. But what does that really mean? I mean, how much of the car is cannabis? Um, right now, the body is made out of cannabis uh, hemp. And uh, 
the objective is to do what Henry Ford did, and that is to make everything we possibly can out of out of cannabis hemp. Um, because by doing so, we're able to drop the uh, lifetime carbon footprint of a typical car by 23%, which is a huge, huge um, reduction in carbon. And, and how is that? Just because of the the stuff that you're replacing in the manufacturing process, or also the car being lighter and less and more gas efficient? I mean, how does that work? Well, it is a little bit lighter, Russ. Um, but basically, what we what Henry Ford discovered, without even knowing that he did it, um, was that uh, he was making about half of the car out of carbon negative material, and then the other half like the engine and that sort of thing, which had to be made out of steel, that's carbon positive. But when you add them together, Russ, then you end up with a carbon neutral um, thing going on there. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is that uh, about 23% of the lifetime carbon footprint of an automobile gas-powered car comes just from manufacturing it. And with an electric car, it's all the way up to 46%. It's wow. a huge amount of carbon just from manufacturing the car. Yeah. Now, I'm glad, so, you, I'm glad you brought up electric cars because I've spoken to other people in hemp who are marveling at this discovery of being able to use uh, hemp fibers as a replacement for graphene in batteries. Is that somewhere where – is that the next step here in, in cannabis cars? Well, we, as far as our cannabis cars go, the cars we're building right now can be built either as electric – or as gasoline, or as biofuel, or a combination of biofuel and, micro- and uh, gasoline. Okay. But uh, um, who knows where everything is going to go down the road. But what, one of the things I've been doing, um, and when I'm traveling around with my producer, Diana Oliver, who's uh, my friend and, and a genius, by the way, um, we're presenting basically the story of how Henry Ford um, actually created a car 80 years ago that was not only made out of plants like cannabis, but also ran on the uh, agricultural waste from his hemp plants because he grew hemp. And as a result, his car was actually 4.7 times greener than today's electric cars because it was made out of plants and then it ran on plants. It was was incredible. Wow, yeah, a biofuel version of a hemp based car makes a whole lot of sense and who knows if we get this battery technology made out of hemp we could have hemp batteries powering hemp cars and what an amazing development that would be we're speaking with bruce dietzen he's with the hempsters cannabis car tour and you mentioned that you're heading to uh south dakota the the uh, uh, alex white plume celebration uh for folks that don't know about alex white plume quick thumbnail here is he uh you know, wanted to grow hemp on the on the uh, native lands, and the DEA raided him, and he got busted. And for the longest time, uh, now that South Dakota has hemp, he can't. He had a specific thing that he couldn't grow, <laughs> right? I think they removed that now. Yeah. Is that what you're celebrating? Yeah, I don't know all the details. Uh, Diana has met with him numerous times, and has been trying to support support his efforts. So finally, I get a chance to help support him too. He's he's quite the individual, from what I understand, quite quite the uh, trailblazer, and uh, um, we'd like to support his efforts. How did you get involved in this cannabis car operation? Well, I started making a car design of my own because I love automobiles and sports cars. And then a friend of mine contacted me and said, if you really, really, really want to do something cool, look into Henry Ford's 1941 health car. And I did. And as far as I know, uh, Russ, I was the first one that ever sat down and said, hey, hmm, car made out of plants that runs on plants, that might be a green car. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't think 
anybody really analyzed it before, but when I actually did the anal- analysis of, of how green it was, it just blew my mind and said, I've got to, I've got to make this car out of cannabis and then try to figure out how to fuel it as similarly as Henry Ford did too. So I just, my whole life was taken over by this, uh, prospect of, of following Henry Ford's footsteps. So it's been a lot of fun. Wow. That's remarkable. So, uh, you've got this tour, you're going to all these, uh, different locations. What have the reactions been from the people when you, when you show them and, and tell them about this car? It's really huge. Well, first off, I'm, I'm driving along the freeway yesterday, Russ, a guy in a Porsche 9, 911 Turbo, you know, high-end Porsche car comes cruising by, and he's honking his horn and giving me the thumbs up, and, you know, he blasts off at 30-something miles per hour. <laughs> so even people high-end cars and stuff love the car, um, and kids love the car. Just The shape is just a natural um, shape, um, and so... Folks love the design of the car, and then when I tell them it's made out of cannabis hemp, they either go, wow, that's really cool, or what's cannabis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Epic slam to them, yes. That, that's really neat. That's pretty amazing. So if people want to see this car or, or know where the tour is going, do you have a website or a Facebook they can uh, get in touch with? Yeah, let me give the Facebook first, okay? Um, and uh, this is uh, one that Diana manages. It's called, on Facebook, go to Hempsters. Cannabis Car Sustainability Tour. Ah. And if, you, if, if any of your folks out there, I know you've got an audience that knows a lot about cannabis hemp, but if anybody hasn't become familiar with cannabis hemp, they can learn a lot about cannabis hemp and the whole movement that's been going on for a long time by going to hempsterstthemovie.com. And then there's if they want to learn about the car specifically, they can go to newsportscars.com. Newsportscars.com. All right. And the use. Renew Sportscars. Oh, Renew? Okay. Renew Renew Sportscars.com. Check that out. All Mm -hmm. right. And uh, so this is is part of the the same kind of Hempsters brand that we know from that Hempsters Plant the Seed movie, then? Absolutely. Yes. uh, All of this is a follow on. Diana's got, uh, actually has plans and she's just got funding for the next couple of series. And, uh, uh, to follow on in the Hempsters um, discussion and, and do additional docu-series, and then we're going to do one specifically for the cannabis car as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, she's got a whole series all set up and getting started on this year. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Looking forward to that. And so uh, you, uh, is there any uh, – you've got this tour going across the country. How long is the tour going until – well, you know, um, it's interesting. We've, I've, I've been trying to, uh, been trying to outline a bunch of different episodes for the cannabis, cannabis, hamsters, cannabis car docu series that, that Diana's, uh, currently marketing to the, to the networks. Um, and because there's so many stories about what's going on with cannabis that come out every single day, it, it could be, it could go on and be 50 episodes, you know, where you investigate things like, you know, you know, treat melanoma, can it treat Crohn's disease, can it, can it, uh, you know, change, can, can it give us carbon negative automobiles, etc. There's just, there are so many stories, Russ, it's mind boggling and keeps me up at night. There's just so many things to investigate and it's, we're just really excited about doing it. Who knows how long it could last. It could go, go on for years, you know, so it's really cool. Right on. So we've got this, uh, Hempsters cannabis car tour, June 25th at the Pine Ridge Reservation, 4th of July picnic in Austin, Texas, July 30th at the Slope 
in Colorado. And also notice that you'll be a part of the High Times uh, Michigan Cup they're doing in August. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. Thanks for rem- uh, reminding me. Yeah, um, both Diana and I are going to be keynote sp- uh, speakers, um, and I'm, pro- I'm basically probably going to. I think I'm probably going to talk about the story of how Henry Ford accidentally uh, figured out how to save the world and, and introduce us towards carbon neutral and possibly even carbon negative automobiles and, and transportation into the future. You know that story, right? No, go ahead, tell it. It bears your, it bears your name because. In Bellevue, uh, Michigan, is where history took place when Henry Ford uh, decided to agree with uh, FDR and stop manufacturing automobiles and instead, in 1941, started manufacturing bombers. And this was Bellevue. You recognize that name. Oh, yes. (laughs) But uh, that's where history was made because um, Henry Ford had just introduced his cannabis car, excuse me, <clears throat> just a month or two before, and his plans were all cars were going to be made from cannabis in the future and were going to be fueled by cannabis in the future. And then FDR came down and said, hey, we've got a war brewing here. We need you to stop making cars and make bombers instead. And he said, okay, I'll do that. And then, unfortunately, Mr. Ford died just after the end of the war before they started uh, really picking things up. So he couldn't march into the boardroom and said, hey, you guys, we're making cars out of cannabis in the future, and we're going to power them by cannabis fuels. Unfortunately, he passed away, and everything went back to doing things with gasoline and steel. But that's where it happened. It was Bellevue. Um, They switched from cars to making bombers right there at the Willow Run uh, facility in Bellevue, Michigan. It's historical fact to me. If it wasn't for that, that... I think we would have a much different world today. Yeah, uh, with, yeah, of course. Without World War II, we'd have a much different world today. Absolutely, uh, in, yeah. a lot, in a lot yeah, of ways, helped, right? He helped, <laughs> yeah, he helped save. He helped save the war um, and uh, win the war, but unfortunately, came at a price because yeah. we, we never got our cannabis cars. So well. well We've got to go out and, and make that happen. And Let's make that happen. Check out the uh, Hempsters Cannabis Car Tour. Website is Renew sportscars.com and uh, Bruce Deetson, thanks for taking some time to tell us all about this. Hey, thank you, Russ. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We'll have time for a radical rant coming up here. We're going to just talk a little bit about the top five stoners against legalization myths. Why people who smoke weed don't want you to make it legal. Don't listen to them. Back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone 
of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad plot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today for the Radical Rant, we want to take a look at the top five fallacies of stoners against legalization. It's a phenomenon I've been tracking ever since 2010 when Prop 19 was on the ballot in California. And to my chagrin, people that smoke pot were against it. Yeah, people that smoke pot wanted to vote against legalizing marijuana. Now, a lot of these people were motivated by the medical marijuana industry. A lot of dispensary owners who uh, were engaging in a bit of rent-seeking behavior, trying to maintain their own sort of uh, monopolies on their on their business. But... Nevertheless, we've had this phenomenon, and this year, of course, we've got California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine that are likely to be voting on marijuana legalization. Nevada and Maine are already on the ballot. California's already got the signatures. Still waiting on Arizona and Massachusetts. But in every state that's ever voted to legalize since 2010, there's always been a tiny contingent of stoners against legalization telling you to vote to help the cops maintain marijuana prohibition. I don't really find the phenomenon before 2010. I've looked because there was there were votes in 2006, 2004, 2002 for marijuana legalization. And I don't really remember a stoners against legalization phenomenon. It really only started after 2009, which is, of course, the year around the year when marijuana dispensary started to really medical marijuana dispensary started to really explode. So there is a there is some correlation there. But uh, let me give you the top five reasons. And. Why their bunk? <laughs> Number one, legalization will destroy medical marijuana. All right. Well, in 2010 in California and in 2012 in Washington, when they had legalization on the ballot, some people insisted that legalization would devastate medical marijuana. And while California's Prop 19 did fail, Washington's I-502 passed. And since then, there have been some cutbacks and changes in their medical marijuana program. But here's why it's bunk. Washington State never had a well-regulated medical marijuana program. 
and the efforts to tighten it up were already in the works in their legislature. Legalization didn't hurt Washington's medical marijuana. Washington's medical marijuana hurt Washington's medical marijuana. And California has already passed new regulations for the medical marijuana industry. And the other four states voting already have well-regulated programs. And all these states voting on legalization, in their initiatives, they've got language expressly protecting their medical marijuana programs, and in most cases, improving them by adding protections for patients' rights to indoor grows or child custody or organ transplants or housing or employment protection. So, the number two myth from the Stoners Against Legalization, legalization is a scheme to manufacture more stoner arrests. Some people will tell you that the legalization initiative contains new ways for police to arrest more cannabis consumers than they do now. And another fear is that legalization will somehow incentivize the cops to go after people who are just over the newly legal limits for possessing and growing. Now, why it's bunk? Well, usually when they find some penalty, when they're looking at the initiative language, they're usually finding something that restates what the law is currently. That differs from state to state, but a new law in initiatives is usually in all caps or bold-faced or underlined, And then the existing law is in plain text. And as for this incentivized cops theory, even if the cops were incentivized, legalization takes away their favorite tools to investigate stoners. The I smell pot excuse and the pot sniffing canine dog. Since Washington and Colorado have legalized their overall marijuana charges, all charges, any amount of marijuana, any amount of cultivation have dropped 63% and 80% respectively. The number three fallacy from the stoners against legalization, legalization will lead to high-priced, low-quality marijuana. Well, (laughs) this fear has existed. This one does go back a ways. This has existed as long as there's been stoners. That legalization will mean big corporations will take over the weed business and pump out mass-produced, pesticide-laden, subpar bud that costs way more than what it costs today. Well, why that's bunk? Federal prohibition means that the Monsantos and Altrias of the world can't get involved with legal weed. It's a Schedule One drug. These are multinational corporations. They're not going to get involved in that state level legalization means that only the state level companies are getting involved in the game and plus legalization means testing and regulations that your illegal marijuana grower doesn't bother with so not only does the weed get better but even with tax it gets cheaper shoppers in washington state now are finding prices at an average of under ten dollars a gram With the 37% tax, the nation's highest tax added in. Just under 10 bucks a gram. Another fallacy. Legalization will lead to monopolization and eliminate family grows. Well, this fear kind of goes with the previous fear. 
you know, with the big corporations taking over the weed business and then squeezing out the small family grower who can't compete. Why that's bunk? Well, if your business model was based on being the only weed guy in town, yeah, you're in for some competition. But all five states pushing for legalization have some form of licensing for the small grower. And the currently legal states have all sorts of small family companies involved. Look, even in the world of Budweiser and Coors, we're seeing an explosion in small craft brewed beer in America. There's no reason to think that marijuana won't be the same. And the uh, final fallacy, legalization is inevitable. So why accept this crappy legalization? <laughs> this, this must be the most sinister of their complaints. They'll object to the legalization not being good enough. And then if we just wait a couple more years, the better legalization could be passed. Here's why that's bunk. <laughs> Usually these folks that prefer some competing initiative that didn't make the ballot seem to think that it could make the ballot next time. But they never propose any solution to the funding and signature deficits that kept them from getting on the ballot in the first place. And not just one year or two years. We're talking about initiatives that have been submitted since 1996. Every two years. That never learn the lesson of how to gather signatures or to raise enough money. So how is it supposed to make the ballot next time? And even if you're not a proponent of a different initiative, you just think that there should be a better choice for legalization. Prohibition negatively affects thousands of lives every year. Even in decrim California with its medical marijuana, even in decrim Massachusetts with its medical marijuana, even in Maine, it still negatively affects thousands of lives every year. And remember, the stoners against legalization for California's Prop 19 way back in 2010, they promised that something better was coming in 2012, and that hasn't materialized until 2016. And even some of those people are still saying, well, wait till next time, wait till next time. No. Prohibition negatively affects thousands of lives every year. Even if that's as little as a ticket, that's still somebody that's got to pay a ticket. And in some cases, a $100 ticket is a real hardship for someone. And that can lead to a whole cascading problem of unpaid fines that lead to warrants, that lead to jail, that lead to bail you can't make, that lead to losing jobs, that lead to continued incarceration and further into a life of crime. So we cannot wait. Legalization beats prohibition every time. Don't be fooled by the stoners against legalization. The most important part of legalization, and I know this sounds obvious, is it makes marijuana legal. When marijuana is legal, it's not contraband, and it means that the smell or sight of it is no longer an excuse for an officer of the law to interrupt your day. That smelling, just smelling like weed is no longer a reason for a cop to start profiling you. To maybe follow you wherever you go or wherever you may drive. It ends 
the need for cannabis consumers to live in the closet and to live in fear and terror of being caught with weed on them. And that, folks, is important. Look, we got to take a break. Hour two is up next. For those of you listening to Hour One, thanks for joining us. For everyone at Cannabis Radio, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. This is where all the cool kids hang out. We let down what's left of my hair, and we get it on like Donkey Kong. Toker Talk Radio means that we do tote, and we do talk about tote, but it doesn't mean that tote is the only thing we talk about. You know how stoners are. We get together in a group. We'll talk about anything. We'll talk about how the universe was formed. How to solve world hunger, man. That's what we're all about. And so that's what's going to happen here with Toker Talk Radio uh, as we continue. Because I was mentioning this yesterday. And I again, I promise I'm not talking about guns today. But uh, uh, we mentioned this yesterday. And I, I, I discussed how, you know, I want to make Toker Talk Radio more like a, a session where people are talking with each other. Right. And I know a lot of times it's just me talking. So you'll just have to deal with just me. But we got a phone line. 971-533-7111. And I want to utilize that more, right? And it's like, hey, if you're out there just smoking and want to just call up and talk about what weed you're smoking, okay, we can talk about that too. But let's just make this a session, you and me, 
hanging out and smoking weed and talking about what's going on in the world. And in the news, I, I did this story, uh, got it from Leafly, uh, about this ad for – and I, I, I watched the uh, NBA game last night, and I don't remember this commercial. So I was kind of like, was I in the bathroom at the time or something? Was I not paying attention? Of course, toward the end of the game, uh, it, it was pretty obvious that uh, Cleveland was going to win, and so maybe I wasn't paying attention. But they played this ad from uh, – a soil company, right? Garden soil company. It's called Black Magic Potting Soil. The ad is called Growers, and they uh, this ad shows people in small like apartments with kind of like closet grows and hidden grows. I'm going to play the audio from the commercial. I don't know if it'll give you the full you know uh, experience, but check this out. These are growers. You'll find them above dive bars and basements and under the cover of darkness. They seek perfection on a level that would drive lesser souls to madness. At Black Magic, we salute them. If they don't need our praise, they'd rather have our soil. Dark, rich, crafted to deliver performance that doesn't yield to conventional limits. Black Magic, yield to no one. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Black Magic, yield to no one. Yield. Did you hear the word yield? <laughs> yeah, they said it twice. Yield. You'll get more yield. We can't say that. <laughs> what a clever commercial. And the visuals, of course, are all these, you know, young guys with flannels on, you know, tattoo sleeves, <laughs> right? Growers. These are growers. <laughs> all right. That's during the NBA Finals, folks. That could have been a closeout game of the NBA Finals. And we've got grow ads and and again like i mentioned in the news they know who they're advertising to this only ran in the pacific time zone and the mountain time zone wasn't included in the midwest or the eastern feed because there ain't no legal states out there yeah they know exactly what they're doing and i'm excited about this you know this is the first at least the first that i can think of non-fast food company that's just stepped right out and said look we're advertising to stoners now, we've heard, like, you know, Jack in the Box. They've had, they've been advertising to Stoner since 2009. Okay. You remember those first ads? The guy in the, the messy van with the bobblehead. He's like, hey, it's late night. What can I get, man? You know, you know, you know. And the more Madison Avenue gets onto our side and the more other companies start realizing that we are a demographic to market to, uh, the more we get our rights. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com. 
great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. We're here with Sir Richard Branson. Far more damage has been done to people by the current approach. Jim McMahon. You know, a lot of the coaches are old school. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bot smokers. John Popper on the telephone. You know, I think in the 60s, there was that kind of, the bigotry wasn't so common. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody, live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, where it's uh, partly cloudy and in the mid-60s in freaking June. Come on, Oregon. Get it on. I'm waiting for that nice, sunny Portland summer. All right. So um, it's Toker Talk Radio, and like I said, this is going to be more of a toke session. Hang out, smoke a joint, and we can talk about anything and... While I told you I promised I'm not going to talk about guns, I'm not. We are going to talk about Orlando a little bit. Because there's this story up on Leafly, another story that I found, that asks, can cannabis users donate blood? And June 14th is World Blood Donor Day. (laughs) Talk about a strange coincidence considering <laughs> but anyway today is world blood donor day and they were asking can cannabis users donate blood and yes you can you absolutely can the american red cross the fda nobody has a problem with cannabis users being blood donors uh according to bloodworks northwest the cascade regional blood services and biomat usa uh, the three different groups that they got a hold of. Um, this one says, uh, cannabis use does not affect a person's ability to be a blood donor unless they are assessed to be under the influence as determined during the donor screening process. We cannot accept blood from anyone who's intoxicated with alcohol, cannabis, or prescription drugs because of the possibility of an unreliable history and the inability to give consent for the draw. The FDA does not require testing for THC either at registration or during testing for bloodborne pathogens, which all donated collected blood receives. Now, that's an interesting statement, I think, right? 
we cannot accept blood from people who are currently intoxicated on cannabis. And again, let's just accept that intoxicated is the wrong word, but we know what they mean. We cannot accept anyone from any blood from someone who's high at the time. And not because they're saying that the, the cannabis in your blood would then get transferred to somebody else, which, hey, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> it's like, hey, this transfusion is pretty groovy. Um, but no, the reason why is they say, oh, you might give an unreliable history. So they're, what they're trying to say is you'd be too stoned to answer their questions properly. <laughs> right. Or the inability to give consent. Right. You're too high. To know whether or not you want a needle poked in your arm to give blood. <laughs> like, you know, when you read these kind of things, you can like, do you even have you do you even know someone who's ever smoked pot? Have you ever seen someone who's high? Have you ever smoked it yourself? Like you people are acting as if you smoke pot and suddenly you're like out of your mind somehow. Ah, anyway, but as they point out, FDA does not test for the THC. Um, Cascade Regional said blood banks do not test for THC. Unfortunately, I cannot provide any advice to give a cannabis user who would like to make a donation, <laughs> but they don't test it, right? And finally, Biomat USA, your blood will be tested for your blood type and infectious disease markers, including hepatitis and HIV. These screening tests are to evaluate donor suitability and are not formal diagnostic tests. In addition, other tests may be performed based on your medical history or special testing required to qualify your plasma donation. Donors are also screened for syphilis, hematocrit, and protein levels. And the final word here from the American Red Cross. While the Red Cross does not encourage the use of controlled substances, marijuana or alcohol use does not necessarily disqualify you from giving blood as long as you're feeling well. If you've ever injected any, ever injected any illegal drugs, you can never give blood. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? You can smoke all the pot you like, but if you've ever once injected speed, coke, or heroin, you can never, ever give blood. And this kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk about with respect to Orlando. Television showed pictures of mile-long lines of people lined up to give blood to the victims, you know, to, to help the victims of this mass shooting in a gay bar. But none of those people can be gay men. The FDA maintains a ban that's been in place since the mid-80s on gay men donating blood. Now, of course, mid-80s, think of the timing, middle of the AIDS epidemic when Ronald Reagan wouldn't even say the word AIDS, that there was a lot of panic. And the fear was we can't let gay men give blood because then they'll tr there'll be HIV in the blood and then the people get the transfusions, get the HIV. And indeed, that's happened. People have gotten HIV from blood transfusions. However, the technology has changed since the mid-80s. They can detect HIV infection within nine days of being infected. And yet, the only change to that policy has been, the FDA now says, okay, well, it's gay men can give blood, but... They have to have been celibate for a year. What? <laughs> so, so come on now. 
celibate for a year, but we can detect HIV in nine days. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And, and it's also, you know, it's a little unfair because gay men aren't the only people with HIV, <laughs> right? You know, they say get the injection, injecting uh, drug users, right, if you've ever injected. But they're still not the only people that have ever gotten HIV. And if we've got a way of testing for HIV, why don't we just, ah, it's just so frustrating, folks. I just feel for that community knowing that, you know, how many gay men that, that directly know someone who was shot or killed in this massacre who can't even donate blood to help. <laughs> That's that's just insane to me. But we can. So cannabis consumers. And you know, we, we ought to do this more as cannabis consumers, as normal chapters, as SSDP chapters. Organize blood draws. Bring your whole normal chapter to the Red Cross one day and donate blood. And you know what? Get high before you do it. <laughs> Let's donate THC blood. Let, maybe that's what we, we can't say it, right? Don't, don't like, don't say that's what we're doing, <laughs> right? But just do it. Just get high and go donate blood. For one, if you're, if you're a person with a needle problem, if you're high, you're going to, you know, maybe you're going to, or eat edibles and donate blood. There we go. There we go. But, you know, if you're a needle, you got a, that needle problem, right? Well, you get a little high, you're a little less anxious, right? Pain doesn't hurt as much. Time goes a little faster. <laughs> wow, man, look at that blood. I, I'm, a, I'm a longtime blood donor. I've uh, been donating blood for years and years and years. I, I took some time off because of the tattoo, right? That's the other thing. If you've gotten a tattoo uh, within the, is it a year or six months? I can't remember now. You can't donate blood either. And I don't know. I'm not, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to opine intelligently on this because I don't know enough of the data and the, and the science behind it, but you know, modern tattoo parlors are, are more sterile than most hospitals. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just saying, uh, they're MRSA in hospitals, man. I, I don't know. So I don't know if these rules necessarily need to be like this, but maybe this is something we could do because that's the cannabis community. How cool would that be? Having a bunch of people showing up, all with matching T-shirts, you know, normal blood draw or, or it's normal to give blood, right? And bring a whole raft of cannabis consumers in for a, a, a blood donation. Of course, you do, of course, we did that, I suppose. That might bring some attention to the fact that we can donate blood and then maybe some people get pissed off about that. I don't know, but I don't know. I, it's, it's the kind of thing I think would be such good earned media for uh, the activists that do it. You know, show cannabis community cares. There we go. Let's create cannabis community cares. And we'll just have cannabis related events for different charities. We'll do toys for tots drives. We'll do blood draw drives. More of that. If we have more of that in our community, we're going to win over, you know, a lot of hearts and minds for people. But recognize that, you know, we're just regular old citizens too. We want to help out when, it, when we can help out. Want to be uh, good to each other, and and really, isn't that what uh, what cannabis is supposed to do for all of us? Right, kind of bring us closer together. What's more social than a joint circle? 
you don't see you don't you don't see people like passing around a stein of beer, you know, all sharing the same stein, right? Although that's kind of changing too in our in our community, oddly enough, as we have more access to cannabis, uh, and and everybody's got their own joint. Or worse, they've got their own vapor pen now, and they're not passing it around. That could be that could be uh, one of the marks of us old timers. Yeah, we remember back in the day, you couldn't get any weed. You'd have one joint, and everybody would share the same joint. The youngsters would be like, "Ooh, like you all had the same spit. Oh, gross, disgusting." <laughs> right? Uh, so old timers, yeah, we didn't get they'll spit on a joint. That don't matter. <laughs> it's all part of the community. Oh my goodness! I, those days are coming, folks, and they're coming very, very quickly. Keep in mind, a sophomore at the University of California, Los Angeles, has never not known medical marijuana. (laughs) They're already halfway through their undergrad degree. Medical marijuana has always existed for these people. We the the landscape of what marijuana is going to be like over the next ten, even just ten years, is going to be completely different than what a lot of us have been used to. And uh, it's going to be a good thing, I think. Look, I, you know, I, uh, I inhaled. Frequently. That was the point. Ah, President Obama. Only a few months left for the tumor in chief. And oddly enough, if either Hillary or Donald Trump are elected, it would be the first president in three presidents that hasn't smoked pot. Or so Hillary says. <laughs> Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Oh, Cannabisradio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. As a public service, the Russ Belleville Show reminds you that smoking marijuana does not make one stupid. However, some stupid people do smoke marijuana, and Prohibition is always waiting for another victim. Learn your lesson from today's Stupid Prohibition Stories. With your Stupid Prohibition Stories, I'm old-timey 1920s radio reporter Freddie Farrakh. This just in from Jackson, Michigan. 
an inmate involved in a plan to toss a football filled with drugs and cell phones over the fence of a Michigan prison will spend an additional three to five years in prison. MLive.com reports... Monday, that 22-year-old Miles Alexander was sentenced Wednesday for his role in the plot. He is already serving up to four years in prison for a 2012 felonious assault and discharging a weapon case. The football contained marijuana, heroin, the phones, and chargers. It landed between two security fences, but short of the prison exercise yard in June 2014 at the G. Robert Cotton Correctional Facility in Jackson. Kristen D. Moore, who threw the football, was convicted of furnishing contraband to a prisoner. The 24-year-old Moore was paroled in November. I'm Freddy Farrakh, with your stupid... Prohibition Story <laughs> Oh, that's a good one, Freddie. <laughs> that's a good one. So you fill the football with marijuana, heroin, cell phones, and cell phone chargers. And then you were surprised you couldn't throw it over two 20-foot security fences 20 feet apart. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. Uh, first of all, the, the cat you got to throw the footballs over the fence, um, not exactly quarterback material, right? <laughs> not exactly Brett Favre with a rocket arm, I guess. <laughs> but second... How heavy would a football full of weed and dope be? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like imagining the size of a football, right? I've, I've held, I've held a, a, a pound of weed, quarter pound of weed in my hand, right? I, it wouldn't be that much. It'd be eh, a quarter. Yeah, you could get a quarter pound in a football. <laughs> I guess so. But I would imagine the phones and the heroin might weigh more. So, eh. how much is this football going to end up weighing? Uh, and 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 really, how football-y would it be? Wouldn't it? Like, there'd be no air in it, right? There's no way you could keep air in that football, right? <laughs> so it'd just be this this really just leather bag <laughs> of drugs you're trying to hook over these huge security fences. And 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 do you do any like dry runs at this? <laughs> like like when you're planning this, when when your buddy gives you this idea, hey man, just. You know, put some weed in a football and throw it over the wall. When he gives you the idea, do you do you ever uh, test that? <laughs> like, go to the nearest oh, I don't know, baseball field or high school or any place that's got tall fences, <laughs> and just see you know how far you can huck a football that's not filled with air. <laughs> I here's what I imagine. I imagine the guy says, hey, man, you, you just fill a football full of weed and throw it to me. And I imagine the guy hearing that goes, oh, shit, yeah, man, I used to throw back in the day. I, Man, I could hook a football 60 yards, man. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so we always want to make this a, a, a teachable moment when we hear the stupid prohibition stories. So I guess our teachable moment is, don't try to try to throw drugs into a prison, okay? Just put that on your list of things not to do. Throwing drugs into a prison. 
There's so many more efficient ways of getting drugs into a prison, <laughs> right? This just shows a lack of imagination on your part. Ah. Uh. My goodness. All right. So that's our, our stupid prohibition story for the day. Let me get you to some not so stupid news uh, in marijuana. There is a story in New Hampshire. A judge has ruled in favor of a pot grower tossing out all the evidence of the pot grow. And it was an interesting case because the guy's name was David Brock, first of all. And that name, for you political junkies, will stand out because David Brock used to be a right-wing hitman kind of, not like assassin, but like, you know, words, <laughs> the pundit, okay? He was a right-wing hatchet job guy. That's the word I was looking for, hatchet job. Uh, so, <laughs> like, and he's an assassin? No, no. He's just, you know, a writer, right? Right-wing, he was this right-wing political hack who like had a crisis of conscience and realized he couldn't support what the right was doing anymore. And now he's with one of Hillary Clinton's packs. Uh, I forget which one, but the, the pack that basically hired all the, uh, the Twitter trolls and Facebook trolls to attack the Bernie Sanders pages and stuff anyway. But this isn't that David Brock. There's a different David Brock. So anyway, this guy named David Brock, he's in New Hampshire Probations and parole officers stopped by his house, found a gallon-sized bag of marijuana and rows of plants. The probation and parole officers were there to check on a parolee named Stephen, Stephen Langlois, Langlaw, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Stephen's his name. So Dave and Steve, okay, Dave and Steve are sharing a place. Uh, Steve's on parole. Dave's growing weed. Right there, there's a problem, right? Like, if you're growing weed, don't have someone in your house that law enforcement can come visit at any time. That's the way parole works, right? You're, under, you're still under law enforcement supervision. Don't have a roommate who's on parole. And on the other side, if you're on parole, <laughs> the last place you want to be is someplace there's no marijuana grow. Anyway, so the parolee, Steve's living there. And, you know, I always say it's not smart. It's not smart. Maybe financially this is all they could do. They were desperate. So I understand. I don't mean to be so callous. But anyway, Steve and Dave are living together. Steve's on probation. The probation parole officers come by to check on Steve. They they wanted to find out where he was at. And he says, well, Steve's at an AA meeting. Like parolees sometimes have to go to, right? Steve's at an AA meeting. So the cops said, hey, well, can we look around? And so the catch here, though, is that these probation and parole officers weren't coming by there to check on Steve. They knew there was weed in the house because they had a third roommate, Sean, who uh, gave an anonymous tip to the cops that Steve and Dave possessed and smoked marijuana at home. So first of all, fuck you, Sean. <laughs> what? Asshole, snitch, douchebag, loser the hell's what would you have a roommate fight and decide to turn in your roommates dickweed but anyway sean gives an anonymous tip so the probation parole officers they go to check up on steve and dave and and they only give a cursory glance for steve's room oh yeah there's steve's room and then they're looking everywhere else right because they know there's weed there somewhere so when the probation parole officers showed up uh Dave admitted he smoked pot before they showed up. 
So, Dave, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't admit shit like that. Although it is New Hampshire, so it is a, a, a well, no, New Hampshire is not decrim. New Hampshire is the only non-decrim state in the New England area. So it's not decrim. So don't even admit, don't, don't admit that shit anyway. So this case goes to court and the attorney puts forth that, quote, they, they, the probation officers, did not focus their attention during the search on Steve's room or on the common areas. They made a mere passing glance into Steve's room and their entire search of the downstairs only lasted two to three minutes. So the judge... Oh, I'm sorry, that's the judge writing this. And, and the judge ruled that the probation and parole officers did have the authority to enter the house because he got a guy on parole, but their actions moved beyond Steve's supervision and rehabilitation shortly beyond the entry. So the only right the cops, the, the probation officers had to enter was to check on Steve and to see that the, everything's cool with Steve. So the judge says the mere presence of marijuana did not lead to exigent circumstances justifying a general search of Dave's home and all the evidence seized as a result of the search could not be used at trial. So the judge ruled correctly and this small pot growing operation, again, the guy had a gallon sized bag of weed and a couple rows of plants. So he didn't have tons, right? But uh, thanks to his defense attorney and thanks to this uh, judge, he will now no longer be facing those charges. And again, screw you, Sean, <laughs> for turning in your roommates. That's disgusting. All right, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into our third segment. More marijuana news, more Toker Talk Radio. Coming to you live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Hey, I'll tell you my Mark Emery story when we come back. That's what we'll do. Stick around. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the third annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. The most influential business event in the marijuana industry returns for three days in Oakland, California. Join your fellow industry leaders and policy influencers June 20th through 22nd for an in-depth educational experience and network with more than 3,000 cannabis professionals. The 2016 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will feature keynote presentations from California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and Numi Organic Tea CEO Ahmed Rahim giving you insight into cutting-edge policy discussions and the most innovative business practices. All this plus the most comprehensive expo floor in the industry. The Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 20th through 22nd in Oakland. Don't miss out. Register right now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com 
and save 15% off registration using promo code RADIO15. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com, promo code RADIO15. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. Get Dot Buzz. Dot Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot Buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at Get.Buzz. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 42 after the hour. You know, I was making a quip in one of the last segments about how us old timers in the weed biz here <laughs> how how we'll remember the days when we used to pass joints <laughs> we used to have to cup a joint and hide the cherry from the cops being able to see it these will all be old war stories someday it's 1996 is when california passed medical marijuana so it's 19 it's 2016 now so as of november it'll be the 20th anniversary of medical marijuana in California. That means like college sophomores now <laughs> in California. It's been medical all their life. They just have no concept of it not being medical. Pretty pretty much anybody under the age of 30 now, you'd have to say, all their all the life they can remember when it would have made a difference to them, you know. I, I, like five-year-olds don't care if marijuana is medical, right? That's my point, right? Anybody 30 or younger, hell, even 35 or younger, right? You'd be 15 years old. If you were 15 in 1996, I, I, guess, I, I guess I was kind of politically aware around age 12. So maybe by age 12, right? If you're 12 in 1996, you're, what, going to be 32, 33? I can't do the math in my head. Whatever. But my point is, <laughs> the younger people, this is no big deal. This is just not even like, why is it illegal? And, and to the next generation coming up, 
uh, it'll be hard for them to even conceive of it being illegal. I hope. I mean, I I can't imagine that we're going to have this period of intermediate legalization last very long. And by intermediate legalization, I mean where some of the states have it legal and most of them don't. Like where legality is the rare and the is the exception and the uh, uh, prohibition is the rule. We're already at the point with medical. I guess we can compare it to medical, right? Because just now with Ohio, we've hit 25 states that have medical marijuana and 54% of the population in those states, right? So it's taken us 20 years to get to the point where not having medical is the exception. In fact, if you want to include those CBD states, which I don't, but if you did, if you did include the CBD states, we're at a point now where there's just eight states that don't have something, some kind of medical with cannabis. Those states would be my home state of Idaho, and then those upper Midwest states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, then Indiana, West Virginia, and Arkansas. All right, our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111, and we've got a call on our phone line from the 863 area code. You're on the air with Toker Talk Radio. What's up? Hey, man, I'm just calling from uh, Florida over here. I um, Actually, I remember one time when I passed the joint to somebody, and it was you. Oh, fantastic. What's happening? Hey, man, what's going on? I was just um, listening to the shows, and i am just been like, you know, I just want what you guys have over there, over here. And I just wish all these people that are stoners against legalization would just get it, it in their heads that they're the, that they're wrong. And they need, you know, cause it, once that happens, you know, the rest of the country will fall, um, state by state or whatever. And eventually it'll get to Florida and eventually maybe the whole country. And, yeah. You know, so that's what I tell people is like, um, don't think that you're just voting for your own state. Like, if you're, you know, Florida, these states are going to go in in a certain order, and we can't predict exact order, but you know, it's not going to be Texas or Florida's turn until it's California's. I can say, I can tell you that, right? California's going to have to pass it before Florida does, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. The the stoners against legalization. You're holding up the process, like that's you right. said. You're holding up the process. Have you have you had you know, a chance like, to go to a legal state yet? Uh yeah, I went to uh Colorado in February. Oh yeah? During the during the Super Bowl. Oh, <laughs> Super Bowl in Colorado. That must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and you know, like you said, you can just you can choose whatever kind of uh cannabis you want and you like you said, what am I smoking on? I have no idea what I'm smoking on cuz I'm in a, a illegal state. So, That's right. You know? <laughs> You're smoking on got yeah. some <laughs> got some yeah it's better than normal but it's got some still i don't know what it is so until i know what it is it's got some it's got some for sure man i i you know i do a lot of uh events in florida and every time in first of all when i'm in florida it costs me a hundred bucks to buy a quarter so that's that's a problem right there a hundred bucks a quarter is a little problematic when you're used to a hundred bucks an ounce or a hundred bucks a half when it gets to a hundred bucks a quarter but uh there's also that just that that paranoid dread, man, just living under that paranoid dread. And after you get out to a legal state and you go back to it, did you feel like you could feel it more? Um, yeah, because when you're there, you're like you're you're worried about having a container, you know, not in the bag. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I was, uh, you know, renting the a room from was like, 
don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You know, I have all those paranoid things that I'm bringing from Florida. And then you do, you do kind of feel like um, people say you're free. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, I'm not free until I can smoke a, uh, a joint just like every, anybody else on the other side of the country or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's hard to so, hard to figure out why this would be, you know, what, what is it what is it about Florida, man, that just they don't want it to be legal when you look at these other states and everything they said bad that would happen didn't happen. So what's the holdup? Well, you got people like uh, um, the governor and the attorney general who you know who after a tragedy happens come down to Orlando and say that they're for gay people and then their record before that is you know totally against uh-huh. you know what's been going what they've been saying oh yeah so you, you have to deal with that kind of mentality is what i'm saying and yeah and, and have all it, these religious people it's not always the men, just that, the mentality too it's sometimes the business ties isn't governor scott's wife like a shareholder in a drug testing company or something like that yeah and or on the he board also, or something. you know yeah and, and rick scott was convicted of a frauding, you know, you know, doing insurance fraud or some kind of health care fraud with seniors, and he still got elected in Florida. So <laughs> I don't know. That kind of tells you all you need to know right there. I guess so, man. The, the Florida, the, the state full of seniors, you're convicted of defrauding seniors, and then the seniors elect you. Well, I guess you got that coming, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how that explains no, that. Uh, I, yeah, that's, uh, I feel, especially in the county that I live in, I feel like I'm a, you know, a rare breed just being a Democrat sometimes. Yeah, I understand that. I grew up in Idaho. <laughs> when you're when you're yeah. when you're blue in Idaho, you feel like a blueberry in a bowl of tomato soup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's as bad as the county. I, I'm sure it's as bad as the county I live yeah. in. Yeah, I, I, I remember your story. The stories you told me. Yeah, but you know, um, they're they're having some change in Florida, though. I know there's like. You know, I don't remember how many cities and counties it is now. I know it's like Volusia and Broward and uh, Miami-Dade uh, counties have all got decrim now. Yeah, and Tampa and um, Orlando's, uh, I think it passed the second meeting, yeah, yeah. Uh, reading. Yeah, and, and a lot of those uh, beach cities, uh, Daytona Beach and uh, Miami Beach, Key West, I think, has got the decrim now. So I, I think it's happening slowly but surely, uh, you know. Of course, you know how Florida is. The farther north you get, the more south you get. And it's going to be hard to pass yeah. up in Tallahassee. Yeah. I, I, trust me, it's a culture shock even for me <laughs> driving <laughs> through north Florida. Right on, man. Well, uh, it, it, oh. I don't want to give anyone uh, your name just because you might want to be keeping that secret. But uh, uh, did we did we enjoy Dr. Bud? Yeah. Dr. Bud made drinks for us. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Just, just so I'm just refreshing my mind, I know who I'm talking to. It's really good to hear from you. Yeah, um, you, you might say I wear sunglasses at night only because they're prescription sunglasses. That's right, that's I right. Got. I remember. Right on, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a pal that I met in uh, uh, Orlando, and we went to the uh, the Universal Studios Orlando, and they wouldn't let me in with my pop belt buckle. <laughs> Bastards. But yet they had a big Bob Marley tribute banner, how they're going to celebrate the legacy of Bob Marley. I'm like, how are you going to celebrate the legacy of Bob Marley and not show a pot leaf? <laughs> yeah, and like uh, Dr. Bud said, all the musicians that come in there and play the, the, the club, they're out smoking. 
yeah. out in their dressing room or wherever they're at, they're smoking. So it's kind of hypocritical. So yeah, and, and it's it's, it's going to be a while before before uh, they are able to accept the idea that kids can see pot. That's what that's really what's freaking them out right now is that. You know, they have they don't even blink an eye walking their kids by a bar with an open patio and people drinking. They don't make them. There's no moral judgment of people drinking, even though we know that kids should shouldn't drink. We don't think that kids seeing drinking is bad because we expect that when they become adults, they might want to drink. And we haven't made that cultural leap yet for marijuana. Right. Even even in the states now, you know, where marijuana is legal out here in Oregon and Colorado, there's still, you know, oh, we can't have it seen by the children. Why? Because they might grow up and want to smoke pot. That's their right. It's legal here. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Ah, well, uh, thanks for calling in. It's been great. Uh, great hearing from you, man. And uh, good luck on everything going on in Florida. We're going to. We're going to try and get that medical marijuana passed for you this year, and I think it could pass this year. Oh, that would be great, and it would be even better if I could uh, get a job in the industry somehow. Well, I know some people in Florida. I'll put in a good word for you once once something happens down there. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> awesome you don't know man. how much that, that would be. That would be awesome if that worked. <laughs> well, <laughs> I tell you, when, med- when, when medical marijuana passes, it, uh, this is the thing, too, is like, Sometimes people get all worked up in like whether or not they'll be able to be a grower or own a dispensary. And I'm like, why not start just working at one? <laughs> Wouldn't that be okay? Work at a dispensary. <laughs> become a trimmer. Uh, That's get, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, get a job. All right. Well, we'll work on that for you, man. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate your call. All right, man. I, I appreciate you doing what you do. Thanks. I'll keep doing it. All right, man. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thanks. And uh, 971-533-7111 is the phone line. 971-533-7111. And yeah, that's all it has to be, man. It could be as easy as us just chilling, chatting, talking what's going on about what's going your area, right? What's happening where you're at. Part of this Toker Talk Radio was to make it the voice of the marijuana nation. And that meant let's hear from the marijuana nation, not just us that have legal weed. It's good here. <laughs> we got our problems, but it's pretty good here. Let's hear from Oklahoma. Let's hear from North Dakota. Let's hear from Maine, Vermont, Tennessee, Texas. We want to get the, the we want to share this as a community and work on this together. And let the people in these states like California know that Texas and Florida and Louisiana and all these other states are counting on them to move the ball forward. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.